You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins, your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Welcome back and happy Thursday, guys. Hope everyone is doing well. And thanks for joining me again. These are coming thick and fast. Trade season is absolutely in full swing right now. This is going to be part six. Part six of trade season. Sean Barrett, the beer to be feared, is back in the hot seat. Sean, how are we doing? Yeah, really good, Pete. We're getting into a role now. I feel like we're... uh... We're starting to sort of get some, I should imagine that last podcast will be the best one and the first one might have been a bit ropey, but yeah, in the swing of things and we both know what we're looking at now. I think so. What I'm starting to sense is I, I, I'm starting to get a feel for where your eye goes and my eye goes and what I'm getting a sense on Twitter as well is that most people seem to like where your eye goes and my eye is always a little bit well, skew if, let's call it that. So either way, it's a bit of fun. Um, to remind everyone, Firstly, thanks for hopping on and making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day, or your last, or your third, whatever it may be. But if you haven't been following us in trade season thus far, this is a win-win trade scenario with every major league team for the Marlins. We have rounded into the NL Central now, so we're going to dabble in the Central uh, for the first time. So today we have lined up the Chicago Cubs Cincinnati Reds and the Milwaukee Brewers. So three teams queued up, ready to rock and roll. Sean Barrett has a proposal. I have a proposal. We'll put them forward. There is no winner. There is no right or wrong. We'll have a bit of discourse and we'll put it out there for you guys to enjoy and to comment back to us. What do you like? What don't you like? <laughs> and like I said, the, the majority are seeing Sean's better than mine. That is for sure. But I And I, I do have a blockbuster lined up today as well. Surprise, surprise. So spoiler alert there. Okay, so... That's us. Uh, without further ado, Sean, we're going to start with the Chicago Cubs. Um, firstly, a brief summary. Where, where are the Cubs up to? I thought they were in a full, a full teardown, and they've basically had a, they've had a two-month rebuild. <laughs> they sold everyone that they had to sell at the deadline, and have effectively now just turned it around and they're back into win now mode. Is that right? So, yeah, I mean, you're pretty much there. I mean, the Cubs still require a little bit of an offensive upgrade um, if they are to be competitive in 2022. And as you said, I mean, the Cubs is one of the biggest teams. They just aren't allowed to rebuild. No. You know, it is a case of they've just got to keep restructuring and restructuring. And, um, I mean, pitching-wise, you know, they've signed Strowman to a three-year, $71 million contract combined with Hendricks and uh, Wade Miley. Mm. Uh, the Cubs now actually have a pretty good one, two, three punch. They're fourth and their fifth pitcher. Uh, well, they're fourth and fifth pitchers, basically. Yeah, not um, so the, good. The, the, not so good. Yeah, exactly. The biggest need for the Cubs, as far as I can see, um, with a rotation that are heavy with contact pitchers, rather, they need some defensive infielders who can play multiple positions. Uh, and the best option from the Marlins would be Bertie, I think. Uh, I mean, obviously, while useful uh, depth and speed for the Marlins, Without injuries and hopefully with further Marlin additions expected, but his role could be a little bit marginalised going into 2022. Uh, the return for Bertie, in my mind, is a guy called Christopher Morrell, whose comp for the majors is actually probably Bertie himself. 
Moore has more power, but less contact potential. Can play solid infield defense and has been put to work recently in the outfield. His career will probably hinge on his ability to make enough contact to let that power shine. Uh, at maturation, he could probably end up being somewhere between Bertie and possibly Chris Taylor. A few, oh. years, a few years away to help the Cubs now, I see it as quite a good fit for both teams. Sean Barra, I absolutely love the fit. I love the John Bertie fit for the Cubs. That's, I, I haven't even mentioned Bertie's name yet. It's the, I think maybe the first time you've mentioned him. And this is, this is a really good fit. I, I, I like it, for sure. Really good call. Uh, and I like the sound of a young Bertie. Um, with maybe a little bit of pop, and you know, if the ceiling is Chris Taylor, then yeah, sounds very interesting. Uh, the Marlins obviously kept Birdie on the fort. Oh, they they uh, attended him, and he's so he's likely to be back. He's just, I think, got married too. Uh, clearly, let's hope the concussion stuff is all 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 being cleared up, etc. And so, I think that's a great fit, Sean. Really like that one. Nice way to kick this one off. Um, and I think it fits what the Cubs need. I, and Birdie's versatility, I think, will it's a it'll be helpful for anyone. I think Birdie actually could fit on any roster um, across the MLB. To be honest with you, um, so yeah, great start. I where did I go with the Cubs? <laughs> I went into it thinking, surely, uh, you know, the name that's been linked to the Cubs has been Contreras for the past what six months, whatever it may be. So I went into this thinking, there's going to be not really much there. Contreras, expiring deal, that's going to be the obvious route. Then I realised, actually, the Cubs aren't in full tank mode. Um, they've added Yang Gomes, I think, as well, as, as a backup catcher, if that's right. Um, they've got, yeah, Strowman's in the mix as well. So all of a sudden, the Cubs are, like, straight back in it. <laughs> They're in contention mode. And what's interesting for them is... A few of their AAA guys got called up after the deadline and actually started playing great. Like uh, Schwindel particularly came up and was just sensational at first base. Um, so this is it with like a, an organization like the Cubs where they, you know, they created opportunities for some of these guys. They came up, performed and think, actually, yeah, we've got some in here. Schwindel in the mix. Ortega played a bunch last year. Um, Patrick Wisdom did great as well. They, you know, loads of guys that re aren't really heralded names that came and did well. The pitching, like you said, is good. So where do we go with this one? It makes it a bit of an interesting fit. And I've ended up giving them another depth starter because, like you said, I think that is the 4-5 is going to be a problem for them. 1-3 to three looks nice. So we're sending them Dan Castano. Um, he's heading across. He's on the 40, man. So that's one thing to call out is Dan the Man Castano is on the 40. Um, the Marlins are going to have to move some 40 guys if they're going to make a blockbuster or two. And so I'm putting the cap on that this is a minor deal that helps the Cubs now add some depth. Listen, Dan Castano, the interesting part, go look at his numbers. In 50 innings, he's got a sub-4 ERA as a starter. 50 innings in total. He obviously didn't pitch much last year, but in the 2020 season, he came in and did a job. If you, if you like strikeouts, Dan Castano, not your man. Let's call that out. <laughs> the, the strikeout is not there with Dan the Man. But cowboy hats, boots, facial hair, ground balls, if that's your thing, Dan Castano's your man. So what do we get in return? We're going back to the well with a minor league dude, a triple-A guy in Chase Strumpf, who is the third baseman in general, 
He's played a bit of second base as well, so it's kind of third base is with his main position. Bit of second base. Ah, in some ways, maybe a younger birdie too. It's um, you know, a different type of birdie. So Dan Castano, Chase Strumpf, he's he was ascending, and I think in 2021 he wasn't as good. He's maybe the 25th ranked prospect in the system. It feels like a nice fit. Cubs get a starter that's proven, has some proven experience in the major leagues. The Marlins get a piece that can help. Um, and it, he isn't on the 40-man for the Cubs. So clears a spot for the Marlins to go and do some business. So there we go. Minor minor move. Um, like I said, went into this thinking there could be a blockbuster. Maybe you get a Contreras or maybe you get another piece. But actually, you know, they've added uh, Clint Frazier's there as well. I think I really like Frazier. If he's healthy, particularly fantasy-wise, um, you know, if I'm targeting Clint Frazier this year everywhere, uh, fantasy. So, yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Um, cool. Well, there we go. Uh, any final notes of that minor deal there, Sean? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good concept in the sense that we haven't actually spoke once about the idea of um, not the issues of having a man on the 40 man, but, you know, the Marlins are a team that are going to have players coming up and through the system. And, you know, they're going to get to a point where there are going to be too many players on the you know to that need to get onto the 40 man or they're going to be eligible for the rule five so yeah a guy like castano who came up when the marlins needed him but the depth wasn't there um now with the moves that they're making maybe he is one of those guys that they say look let's move into a team like the cubs who as we said top heavy with pitching fourth and fifth guys you know it's a bit shaky and they're going to need that depth and uh yeah if they've got room for him on the 40 man and the marlins can then take that space and use it in the future somewhere else. It's it's a valuable sort of way to manage your roster. Yeah, that's it. I, I saw it as more of a roster management move that helps the Cubs and the Marlins add a piece. Like it actually is probably one of the better fits of deals I put together in, in, in all of this series, albeit it's relatively minor. But um, okay, cool. Well, there we go. That's our first one uh, done and dusted. I really like yours. I think the birdie fit as well with, with the Cubs is, is nice. And actually, it wouldn't shock me if they did birdie um, for Strumpf either. That actually could fit too. If, um, you know, we, we effectively go backwards and you, you take a younger birdie, um, particularly with Wendell being added to the mix. But I still like birdie and Wendell being on the roster personally, like the flexibility I think is there. So, okay, well, it is time to tell you about uh, our guys over at Built Bar, of course. And who's on a diet? Who started the new year hot? Um, I know, I mean, I've, I'm down the gym. Sean's not drinking. I'm not drinking. Neither of us are drinking. So, you know, <laughs> Lathwaite's Wines could be out of business very, very soon. Uh, but nevertheless, the guys at Built Bar, if your New Year's resolutions is about getting fitter, eating, eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar, what is it? It is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick your, to your resolution because it tastes good. You'll want to eat it, unlike the other protein bars, which could be chalky, waxy, or, yep, taste like a chemical spill. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> Guess me every time. So, what flavors have they got? What have Built Bar got to offer? They've got tons. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, many, many more. They've got tons of flavors. Go and check them out at Built.com. If you want to purchase, I have a promo code for you. Of course I have. Locked15. All one word, Locked15. Get you 15% off at built.com. Go and eat them up. All right, Sean. We are into Cincinnati now. Um, Cincinnati, interesting team as well. Like Clearly, the Nick Castellanos opt-out hurts them. 
Um, they've had a couple of other guys go to free agency as well. So where are the Reds at? Are they are they going to have a mini reboot here, or what's the plan for these boys? So, yeah, the Reds are another one of those funny teams that we're not quite sure what the direction is in 2022. Uh, one thing that is clear is that the Reds wanted to shed some payroll this offseason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the GM was quoted as saying, we are aligning our payrolls with our resources. And, <laughs> and they've definitely done that. So yeah. uh, it led them to move on from starting catcher Tucker Barnhart, who they traded for a low-level prospect, as well as a really curious situation with Wade Miley, who we just spoke about with the Cubs. Mm. Uh, they waived him and lost him to the Indivision Cubs. Uh, but he was due a team-friendly deal this this season, and they waived him to to save on a one million dollar option on that contract, which is pretty wow. dirtbag behaviour, to be honest. Mm. And as you said, with Castellanos opting out, the Reds have now lost their war-leading bat and starting pitcher and mm. a starting caliber defensive catcher for basically naught. Uh, they still have quite a bit of dead uh, wood on the payroll with Mustakas Suarez and Akiyama who all combined for a negative war last year and are set to earn over 30 million in 2022. So they're not really in a position to blow it up right now. It's going to be a couple of rough few years before they can open up their next window. So with that said, the player that I'm looking at for the Marlins is Luis Sessa, a right-handed pitcher, formerly a Yankee, was traded last year to the Reds in a move that included Justin Wilson for a player to be named later. It was essentially a salary dump by the Yankees, looking to move some money, ready to reallocate for this year. Uh, so what was the Reds' motivation? Sessu is now an expired, expiring contract and will definitely command more in return than they sent to the Yankees. He fits well last year, 2.51 ERA. Mm. His ERA and XFIP were about a run higher, but that's still serviceable. His career ERA is a bit higher at four, but he did have an above K per nine and was below career in walk per nine as well. He also had his highest ground ball percentage and his lowest fly ball percentage rates of his career. So I think his ERA ceiling uh, in 2022 is probably three and a half, but with a chance of repeating his 2021 numbers. Uh, what would it take for the Marlins to acquire him? I'm looking at a return of McCambly. Uh, he was drafted in the third round of the 2020 draft. He has a fastball that touches 95. And if you recall, Pete, Around the time of the draft, he was touted to having the best curveball in the draft. Out of the draft, he needed to develop a third pitch. And as mm-hmm. such, there's some question marks of whether he'll be a starter at the major league level. Mm-hmm. If not, his fastball curveball mix could see him as a really valuable setup, man. Uh, this to me is yeah, an interesting trade that would benefit both sides. Sounds interesting. I have a feeling uh, that Zach McCambly uh, was just been on the, the Man on Second podcast uh, potentially yesterday, or I think I saw that flash up. So if you want to go and find out more about Zach McCambly and hear him talk, um, go and check it out. Joe Fasaro is uh, is leading the show over there. That's his new gig, and must say they've really upped the guests too recently. They they were you know going with a a two man show, uh, Joe and and, and Mike, uh, Mike kind of hosting, and Joe I guess adding his his thoughts and knowledge. And recently they've they've gone guest heavy, which has been fun. Um, so you know, fair play, but I'm pretty sure. Zach McCambly was a guest. Uh, I may be mistaken, but nevertheless, uh, like the deal, I was thinking the same with uh, with the Reds in terms of relievers. What about the other the, the other guy that caught my eye? Um, not to kind of uh, throw you into something you may not be prepared for, but the other guy that I thought looked interesting as well was Lucas Sims. Um, that you know, 
had a couple of saves for them last year and looked to you know, pitch okay. I don't know whether you look to him at all for as a potential fit. Whether <laughs> I mean, Sessa may be the, a, a better option anyway. But what about Sims? Yeah, you really are putting me on under the yeah. under the spotlight there, Pete. Um... I, I thought I thought I might have. Mate. Well, don't don't worry about it because. Um, we we are not going to research every player in any depth, but I did. No, I did. He looked okay to me. I, I, you know, his fit looked good. Um, you know, he's you know he's still pre-arb, I think. So, a um, couple of saves. You know, pitch just under fifty and in strikeouts like seventy-five Ks. Like the numbers peripheral, like the, the stat numbers look look pretty yeah. pretty good. Yeah, actually. a fourteen point five K per nine. That certainly uh, yeah. jumps off the page at you. Um, yeah, I think any any guy that's at Cincinnati, the reason why I went uh, with Sessor is because it is an expiring contract, mm. and the Reds, you know, the Reds. I just there is no way that they compete this year. Um, but yeah, no, I think any any bullpen piece realistically at the moment, even if they're young, is movable in in the Reds organization. You know, a guy that's twenty seven now, for a team that aren't going to compete in the next two to four years is kind of, you know, surplus to requirements. Yeah. Yeah, seems fair. Okay, well, I have gone... I was struggling a little bit, but this one came to me relatively late, and it's probably going to feel that way. But when I thought of the Reds, all I heard about the Reds, all in the build-up to last year was, who's playing shortstop? That's all I heard. We had Suarez playing shortstop. Like, I guess Jonathan India was playing a bit of time there. It was just mix and match shortstop score. They just didn't have one. They didn't, basically, the Reds decided to not bother playing with a shortstop, um, seemingly. So that's in my mind. So I've decided that Miguel Rojas is going to the Reds. <laughs> sure, sure embarrassed. They collapsed. I thought when Miggy Rose going to the Reds, who's coming back the other way? He's he had a bit of a down year. He did. But the talent is there. Um, if the Reds think that they can do something this year. Perhaps this would work. So maybe we're going Miggy Rowe for at plus an arm, and the arm is to be named later. I'm just going to work that out in a sec. But it's Miggy Rowe and an arm for Luis Castillo. Old friend, back in town, Castillo. The Marlins don't need any more arms, do they? I don't know, but Castillo is shit hot. He is top draw. Um, you know, maybe they go and do something there with a proven, proven commodity with Castillo. Um, go and get him. Send Miggy Rowe across there. That will be painful, but the Marlins can plug that gap somehow. Uh, I don't, I'm not really sure that's win-win. I think that's probably lose-lose, which is exactly the opposite of what this show is trying to do. But for the Reds, they do need a shortstop. Miggy Rowe is top draw. Really, the Marlins don't really have any other ma- Major League-ready shortstops. Maybe you'd send Baby Devers, Jose Devers, across to them try and do something but there you go that's my blockbuster Miggy Rowe Luis Castillo straight up fills the need but takes away a pitcher nah, I'm not sure that one's going to fly but there you go Sean I, back I'm going to yeah I'm going to ignore the Miggy part of that trade and just and leave that one well enough known and just look at Luis Castillo yeah he is you know the, the talent is there mm-hmm. uh, again he's in his second year of arbitration this year the Reds if they are in full blower up mode then yeah, what's he really going to be doing for them for the next two years, other than you know, pitching too good for a bad team? Um, yeah, I think he is one of those names that is going to be moved in the next couple of years. Uh, whether or not he's he's a fit for the Marlins this year with pitching, you, who knows? In July again, all these trades we're talking about preseason, 
Some of these will fit far better in July. You know, the teams that are going to need pitching, who knows what's going to happen in the season. They can go in, the Marlins can go into the season full of arms. And we saw last year what happens very quickly. Uh, Luis Castillo could be somebody that they're looking at as a movable piece. You know, there are going to be sellers at the market for sure. Um, but yeah, I think he's an interesting name, an interesting guy, uh, good potential for a July trade. But let's let's leave Mickey alone. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good idea. With that being said, uh, and we'll we'll quickly move on from that one, and, and probably, I guess, just pretend that never happened. Um, and with that being said, sometimes I wish I pretend some of the bets I make didn't happen. But it's time to tell you about Bet Online AG. Bet Online. Well, they'd like to wish you a happy new betting year. As we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond, Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website. Sign up today and receive your 50, that's 50, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code locked on, it's all one word locked on to get started. From basketball, football, hockey, boxing, UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Okay, finishing up with the Milwaukee Brewers, the Brew Crew. They won the division last year. So I'm not sure I fully expected them to win it, uh, but they did. Um... They've been active thus far as well. They've already had a interesting trade. Very interesting trade, actually. Kind of swapping center fielders, seemingly, with the Red Sox, which was an interesting one. Um, old friend JBJ, I guess, going back to, to Boston. Uh, Renfro coming across to, to Milwaukee. I think I actually really like that deal for the Brewers. I, I definitely like that for them. Um, so them boys, they're, they're in again. Like the Brew Crew are... I guess signaling that they're they're in the mix and want to contend. So, uh, I mean, in many ways, they were they're set up very similar to the Marlins, but just had a bit more. I say a bit more. They had more offensive production. Like they were pitching heavy. They remain pitching heavy. The one two, one two three punch is the best one two three punch on paper. I guess right now, Sean Barrow, what is going to be the fit here with what could be two very similar kind of teams right now? Yeah, no, exactly. Your your mind is exactly where mine is. You know, obviously they lost a couple of pieces last year. Uh, New Marlin, Avisal Garcia, mm-hmm. obviously signing um, in free agency. They also lost Eduardo Escobar um, in free agency. As you said, they did get hint of Renfro in a trade. So I think I see him more as a corner outfielder. So maybe as a replacement for Avisal. And technically, payroll wise, he's on a cheaper deal yeah. and moving. Um, Jonathan Bradley Jr., who was on a bit more money as well. They've kind of moved a little bit of money and sort of filled the gaps a little bit. As you said, the Brewers are actually one of the few teams that don't need pitching. In fact, they have a surplus, um, specifically, as you said, in the rotation, but also their bullpen is very good. Uh, What do do they actually need? I tried to find a useful bat for them, uh, something that they could use in combination with Rowdy Talese at first. They'd already been linked a little bit with Luke Voigt, uh, so I've gone with Lewin Diaz. Um, oh. Again, a player that would be a depth player for the Marlins um, and using that depth to fill over holes. But as I said, I expect the Marlins to make some more moves. Um, and there's a certain circumstance where Lewin could be surplus to requirements uh, in the future. 
As I said, the bullpen is very strong, headlined by Josh Hader and Devin Williams, both of whom I would love to have constructed a trade around, but the cost would have been pretty high. In the end, I've gone with Brent Suter. Uh, he's due around two and a half million in his second year of arbitration. He didn't have a fantastic season for ERA and the XFIP, FIP and XERA all agree with that as well. Uh, but he is a career three and a half ERA pitcher. Uh, and from July onwards last year, he cut his walk rate down to below three per nine, uh, which propelled him to a sub two and a half ERA. I think Suter could bring some Marlins, the Marlins some serviceable innings in the bullpen and could realistically pitch in the seventh or eighth. Again, both teams are trading at the major league level, but are trading from positions of relative strength, of depth, to fill other holes in the roster. So I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good trade for both teams. How we have, we've aligned, not directly, but we've aligned. I thought the same. I looked at the Brew Crew and uh, they obviously, I, I think Big Dan Vogel back. I don't think he's back in town for them. Like you said, Rowdy Talese, uh is still there. So I think Big Dan's gone. They, they need some more punch at, at first base. And, you know, the DH is obviously likely to come as well. And, you know, there's going to be more availability for those big power dudes. Uh, maybe they'll bring Vogel back back. I, I'm not sure. I mean, he's just a, he's a tank. Um, on legs, effectively. Uh, I'm not sure Talese really set in a light either for the Brew Crew. So I was like you, buddy. I was thinking about first base. But I'm going to be completely honest here. I want Josh Hader. I want the Marlins to go out and just, like, go and acquire. I've had enough of blown saves. I've had enough of tight games that the Marlins didn't win. It hurt too much in 2021. It did. In 2020, they Kinsler and Boxberger and Yimmy, they got it done. We won those tight games, and it felt great. And we got to the playoffs. And I think it'll be a similar kind of size format in the playoffs too. So it'll be, everything will be there to fight for. We need an elite dude at the back end. Hader's got two years of control remaining. I think he's due eight or nine this year in, in, in Arb. He'll, he'll take a bump next year. So let's say it's 20 million over two years, let's say for Hader. He is the elite, one of, if not the elite guy. It's going to be expensive, but he only has two years remaining. Um, he just blew up a game <laughs> against the Braves. I think Freddie Freeman took him deep. I think that was the only lefty all year to hit a home run off him, something like that. So yeah, maybe their their patience is worn thin on Hader, I don't know. But Devin Williams is an absolute stud. That's the point is, listen, you have depth there. Could they trade away Hader with those two years, go and get something real nice back? That is the question for them. And I want the Marlins to go and make it happen. So... Hader to the Marlins. We're going to absolutely lock in that ninth inning. And maybe eighth, eighth, ninth. I mean, Hader can do multi innings. What's the cost going to look like? <laughs> cost is high. Unfortunately, Sean, you are going to really hate this one, but Cooper Loop is, is headed to Milwaukee. Cooper Loop is an absolutely perfect fit for the Brewers. Whether they value him as highly as the Marlins and you and me and you know, the guys that really like Coop, as if they value him that highly, I'm not sure. But Cooper Loop is a legit hitter. He absolutely is. Um, he's going to be, I don't know if the centerpiece is the right description, but Coop, you've also got another guy which I think would fit their kind of profile that they seem to like in um, Jera Encarnacion is in the mix. So you've got Encarnacion, I guess, if they decide... I mean, I don't really know what's in the future for Encarnacion, whether it's first base, whether it's DH, whether it's right field. 
I guess, similar kind of profile to Coop, really. So Encarnacion is gone, Coop is gone, and, well, there's going to have to be an arm as well um, to make it work for them. And that arm is going to have to be Uri Perez. Very, very expensive. Very expensive. It's so expensive, it's eye-watering. But Perez is still three years away. He may be sensational, he may not. Cooper Loop... He may be sensational, he may not. Encarnacion, the power is real, but he may never find a, a major league role. A lot of question marks in those three. Hader, there is absolutely no question marks. None. There is nothing left to answer. He has two years of no question marks, and ideally Freddie Freeman is not back in the NL East, um, and he won't be hitting home runs off him either. So there you go. The most expensive package you've ever seen for Josh Hader. Um, it's so expensive, it's really painful to say, but... I want an elite closer and I don't want us to have to go out and spend, overspend, you know, 15 million a year on Kenley Jansen or something crazy, a decline in Jansen. Let's get an elite hater, two years, and let's just let's just plow it in. <sighs> that was painful to, to say, Sean, i got to be honest. What's your thoughts on that one? I mean, I know you're not going to like that one. Yeah, the, the Cooper bit was painful for me to hear. I, I, I think to, to touch on what you were saying as far as, you know, the leverage pen last year and how important it is for the team to, to improve that. If you look at the, the two most consistent issues that the Marlins had last year, that was the catching position, specific, not only offensively, but specifically the defence. They fixed that. They went out and got the best defensive catcher in the league. That's fixed. They, they went from the worst situation to the best situation. Bringing in a guy like Hader would be doing the exact same with the leverage pen, bringing in one of the best guys in the league. And, you know, and if it weren't for Devin Williams, then I don't think there's any scenario where the Brews, in a year where they're competing, would move him. But as you said, it is a, an expiring deal and Devin Williams is as good, potentially even better than him. But with his control, he'd be even more expensive. Mm. Uh, as far as moving Cooper, I went into this exercise with just a few guys that were untouchable. Obviously, the guys that have just come in, in Avi and Wendell, obviously they, they're not untouchable, but they've been brought in this year. The the rotation as far as Sandy and Trevor, they're untouchable. Miggy, to me, is untouchable. Coop, obviously for me, um, and I might be in the uh, minority here, but he is uh, untouchable. He is, you know, by far my favourite player, and uh, he needs all the love he can get because uh, sometimes he's uh, he's the butt of the joke. So um, yeah. yeah, I think there have been a few times over this process where teams have needed that power corner outfielder or at first base, and he has been a perfect fit for that. But I just can't stomach it. I can't do it. He's he's the Marlin for me. I knew you'd say that, mate. And it is it is painful for sure. The problem I think the Marlins would face with Cooper in general, anyway, is we would be valuing him maybe higher than anyone else, um, and other teams would see less less value. A bit like maybe how we thought about Miggy Rowe at the deadline. It's like maybe. We would have moved him, but our ask was so high because of what he means to the Marlins. And maybe there's something similar with Cooper. I don't know. Maybe it's just I'm I'm you know buying into to your hyperbole around him. You're listening to me too much, maybe. Well, yeah. And Craig Mish too. Listen, the Mish man um, absolutely loves Cooper Loop too. He's adamant that a DH plonk Coop in 
It solves the issues. Cooper Loop should not be playing right field. He's too big. He's too big of a guy. First base, okay. That's how he got hurt last year, by the way, at first base. But um, he's too big of a guy. DH him. He is a well above average hitter. And just leave him there. And in reality, that's what the Marlins should do. But nevertheless, I would absolutely love Josh Hader. I'm not sure what the package is, but I would love for them to go and get him. Like, like you said, the problem is with the Brew Crew. They look like they're going for it again. Why would they want to trade away one of those two dudes that are, that are elite back-end dudes? The one-two punch. There is no one-two punch like that. There's no one-two-three in the rotation either like it. They're absolutely set up to you know, do some damage. Um, you know, it may be... And actually, last time we did any kind of action with the Brewers, it, you know, we, I'm surprised we've gone 11 minutes talking about them and not even mentioned the last time we botched it. So... We should absolutely do nothing with the Brew Crew and just pass on anything. But either way, I'd love Hader. My point stands, though. I want the Marlins to go away and just do something proper to solve the ninth inning. I don't want to sign, hope, and see method. I just want us to go and find someone elite. The problem is getting those guys is tough. So yeah, there we go. Okay, that's going to wrap us up, Sean, for this one. Um, that was um, That was fast and furious, it felt. We that's, that's pretty tight for us, isn't it? It is. That is that is a tight one for us. But you know, we've rattled through a lot of fun. Um, I've sent, I've, I've I've submitted two blockbusters there. Um, so Miggy Rowe and Cooper Loop were on the block for me in this one. First time on the block for either of them. Um, you're going and trying to acquire studs. I really like as always, Sean. Uh, the way you're thinking about these is um, is a, you know, it, it's definitely we we're looking at different things. But when you come with yours, I, I like your eye for sure. So, right, that is us uh, in the books for Thursday. And we are back. Are we back tomorrow, Sean? We might be. I'm not sure. <laughs> we might be back on Friday. It's TBC, scheduled TBC. Uh, but I can tease what will be coming when it drops next. And it will be the final two teams from the Central. So we've got the Cardinals and the... Who else is in that division? The Pirates. Cardinals and the Pirates. And it's going to be the first of the NL East. And alphabetically, it's the Atlanta Braves, your uh, reigning World Series champ. So we are going to be getting into those three next time around. And that leaves us then three teams to wrap it up, uh, likely early next week or across the weekend. We'll see how the schedule works. But that is us. Thank you for joining us on Locked On Marlins and making Locked On Marlins your first listen of the day. Enjoy the rest of your day, guys. And me and Sean... Maybe back Friday. If we're not, we'll be back early part of next week. But stay tuned for that. I'll uh, I'll let everyone know on Twitter. Sean, appreciate the time, buddy, and the insight. A lot of fun, as always. And, um, yeah, to the listeners, back soon.